Is it just me or does it seem like we were just in this room for the Christmas Eve service? I mean, it was such a great night. One of the best services I think we've ever had on Christmas Eve. The room was full and everybody was so excited. You know, I think if you could take the feeling in this room on Christmas Eve and try to put words with it. I think two words describe what I felt in here uh, two nights ago. First of all, excitement, and second of all, anticipation. There's something exciting about Christmas Eve, and you're anticipating Christmas Day, and here we are now on the day after Christmas. And I think maybe for many of us today, we would say excitement and anticipation have given way to exhaustion and frustration. How do you feel about that? I think the day after Christmas, we are a little bit tired because of everything that we went through the night, you know, Christmas Eve night and then yesterday. And then sometimes on the day after Christmas, you're a little bit frustrated with how things went. Let me ask you this. How many of you received at least one gift that you're going to have to return? Would you just raise your hand? And you're thinking, what were they thinking when they bought me that gift? And so here we are on the day after Christmas, maybe not as excited as we were the night before, not as many people as there were the night before, not the same anticipation that we had on Christmas Eve, and yet here we are in God's house. And so the question is, on the day after Christmas, what are we supposed to do? Well, I think after a major event, whether it's at the church or, you know, in our personal lives, you, you should always spend some time reflecting. And we do that as a staff. We'll do that in the days ahead. We'll evaluate the singing Christmas tree, or the candlelight service, the Lord's Supper service, these services today. What did we do right? What, what was good about those things? What did we do that, you know, maybe next year we could do it differently or we could do that better? It's always good to spend some time reflecting and learning and processing and thinking about what you've been through so that you can maybe going forward do it even a little bit better. Well, if you'll open your Bible this morning to the Gospel of Luke in chapter number 2, I want us to see that on the day after Jesus was born, or really the night of his birth, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, spent some time pondering, thinking about, reflecting upon what had just happened. Now, in Luke chapter 2, I want us to begin reading in verse number 7, and I want us to read through verse 19. This is a familiar passage of Scripture, great Christmas Scripture here, but I want us just to look Luke chapter 2 and verse number 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, literally a feed trough. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Now you've got lots of angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. 
And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And so when the shepherds got there, they're telling Mary and Joseph and those gathered around what the angel had said to them. Verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And so when Mary heard what the shepherds said that they had heard from the angel, while everybody was excited and getting into what the shepherds had said, the Bible says that Mary pondered these things. She kept them in her heart. She spent significant time thinking about what had just happened. Here she, a young girl, has given birth to the Savior of the world. Think about this. Mary had an experience that no other mother has ever had. Think about this. Mary gave birth to the baby who had created her. Jesus had created her in eternity past long before Jesus came to earth in Bethlehem. Mary is the only mother in the history of the world who was younger than her child. (laughs) Never happened before, but she gave birth to the ancient of days, to the everlasting father. And so Mary is pondering all these things and she's thinking about these things and she's trying to put it in perspective and to understand what has happened. What was she doing on the, the night of Christmas, maybe the morning after Christmas? What was she doing? She was reflecting on what had happened. And so what I want us to do today, we've been all the month of December leading up to this weekend. We've been singing about Christmas. The singing Christmas tree was all about Christmas. Sermons have all been about Christmas. In the Sunday school classes, the connection groups, it's all been about Christmas. In your home, in my home, of our families, everything. Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. The birth of Jesus. And here we are today, the day after Christmas. All that's over. And so we are now reflecting on what has happened. Now, as Mary reflected on what she had experienced, I want us today, as best as we can, to get in Mary's mind and to think about what she was thinking about, especially as she reflected on something that had happened with her nine months earlier when she was living in Nazareth in northern Israel, and the angel Gabriel had come to her and said to her, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. You're going to give birth to God in human flesh and what that must have felt like for her. So turn back to Luke chapter 1. And I want you just to see some of this today because I think it's very helpful. Now, nine months earlier, here's what Mary had, had faced. She had faced a challenging situation, to say the least. And not only that, in the midst of her challenging situation, she had received a clear word from God. And when she received that clear word from God, she had a complete confidence that everything that God had said to her was going to come to pass in her life. Now, I want you to think about that. If I were outlining this sermon today, that would be the three Roman numerals, the three major headings that I'm going to be talking about. A challenging situation, a clear word from God, and a complete confidence that everything in her life was going to be all right. All right. Now, today, the fact is, those of us here in this room and those watching at home today, many of you are facing a challenging situation. And what you need more than anything else is a clear word from God. Because if you can get that, you're going to have a confidence that God is with you and everything's going to be all right in your life. So let's just think about those three things. First of all, a challenging situation. Now you say, John, what was the challenging situation that Mary faced? Well, it was that she was going to give birth to God in the flesh before she and Joseph 
uh, well, they would be married by the time that Jesus was born, but they weren't married now, and she was a virgin. Look in verse number 26 of chapter 1. Now, in the sixth month, that is, of her relative Elizabeth's pregnancy, she, her relative is now pregnant with uh, John the Baptist, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." And he will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Now, we're familiar with this. We've been talking about it all month. And we've been hearing about this all of our lives, many of us. How Mary, a virgin, is going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Now, while it is true that she would have been honored with this, because uh, that, this would have been the ultimate honor for any woman, she would also have naturally been confused. How am I going to give birth, she would have thought, to a baby? I'm a virgin. And she would have been afraid. What in the world is this, does this mean? How is this going to change and affect my life? And so here you have this young girl, and she's facing, yes, she's honored by this, but it is a challenging, challenging situation. And if we could have spoken to Mary at this point in the story, I mean, right after Gabriel gave her this message, I think Mary would have said some things like this. She may not have used this exact language, but I think we have some things on the screen. I think Mary would have said, first of all, life, well, maybe we don't. That's all right. Yeah, there it is. I think Mary would have said, life has thrown me a curveball. Now, she wouldn't have literally said that because baseball hadn't been invented when Mary was. But I mean, if she were living when baseball, I think she might would have said, this is not how I expected life to go. Joseph and I had a plan. We're engaged. We're going to get married. Our plan was to get married and spend a little time together as husband and wife and then slowly and gradually build and grow our family, and now it's backwards. Everything is happening opposite of how I thought it would happen. Life has thrown me a curveball. I think the second thing Mary would have said after processing what Gabriel had said, she would have said, I have more questions than answers. In other words, this doesn't make sense. In fact, if you look back in verse 34, we see the question that Mary asked Gabriel. She said, how can this be since I do not know a man? Sometimes in life, when we face challenging situations, when life throws us a curveball, something happens, whether it's cancer or whether it's whatever it might be, we say, I didn't expect this to happen. And now I'm trying to figure out how to react to it and how to move forward in light of what is going on. In those seasons of life, we have more questions than answers. Now, let me say something about questions. Sometimes you'll, you'll hear somebody say, you should never question God. Well, I don't know that I agree with that because I don't think that the Bible teaches that. When Jesus was on the cross, he said to the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
I don't think it's wrong to ask God questions when, when life throws you a curveball and nothing seems to make sense. I just think this, and I think the Bible, I know the Bible uh, backs this up. Our questions should be mixed, maybe not filled, but our questions should at least be mixed with some faith. Now, let me show you the opposite of Mary's question. Earlier in Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel went to Zacharias. Zacharias and Elizabeth, older, a very older couple, never had any kids. And the angel goes and says to Zacharias, your wife is going to have a son in her old age. In your old age, you're going to become a father and she a mother. And so Zacharias didn't understand. Now look in verse number 18. Here was Zacharias's question to God. Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? That was his question. In other words, now God had said to Zacharias, the two of you are going to become parents. And his question had no faith. He said, how shall I know this is true? And Gabriel said, oh, you never should have questioned the word of God. Because since you've not believed God, now your mouth will be shut. And you will not be able to speak until that baby is born. So Zacharias's question had no faith. But Mary, down here in verse 34, she didn't say to Gabriel, how can I know that what you've told me is true? How can I know that I'm going to give? No, that, see, that's a question with no faith. Her question had faith. She simply and honestly said to Gabriel, how can this be? How can I as a virgin give birth to a baby? Well, that's, that's a fair question, and it is a question that has faith mixed in it. So I'm saying to you today, it, when you go through challenge, we've, been, we've all been through situations that life has thrown us a curveball, and we don't know what in the world we're supposed to do and, and, and why God would allow this to happen. It's okay to say to God, God, why, why have you allowed this to happen? God, where are you? God, what is, the, how does this, what is this going to mean for my life? And lead, that leads, I think, to the next thing that Mary would have said if we could have spoken to her at this time in the story. She would have said, how will this affect my future? Isn't that what we all want to know when, when life throws us a curveball? Not only, God, why and, and how, and all, but God, how does this affect my future? What does this mean for me in my life as I try to go forward? And I'll tell you something else I think Mary would have asked. Another comment that she would have made would have been this. What will people think? Here's Mary, young girl, engaged to Joseph. Now she's going to become pregnant. They're not married. What would people think? Well, they would have, they would have thought that she and Joseph had, had relations before they got married. They would have been judgmental, naturally, not only of her, but of Joseph. And can you imagine how the two of them must have felt? And then if somebody would have asked Joseph about this, and Joseph would have said, well, it's not my responsibility, then they, he wouldn't have said that because God had already told him what was going to happen. But I'm saying People would have thought, you know they thought, and probably many of them talked. A lot of gossip going on there in Nazareth. Look at Mary and Joseph. All going to the synagogues on Saturday and playing like they love and faithful to God. Now she's pregnant and they've never even been married. Let me say this, friend. As we go through life, and especially as we face challenging circumstances in life, we cannot be overly concerned about what people think. We have to be concerned about what God knows, right? You know, sometimes in life, this is a whole nother sermon, but I'll throw this out there while we're here today. Sometimes in life, you just have to let people assume the worst. 
You do. You just have to let people talk and think what they're going to think and say what they're going to say because they don't know what's going on in your life. They don't know what God's doing in your life, and they don't really know the, the whole story, and so they're going to always be chatter. And this sometimes people are going to, I can guarantee you this, if we could have spoken to Mary and Joseph at this point in the story and in the months that followed this, they would have said to us, we are experiencing more criticism than we are affirmation. More criticism than affirmation. Nobody's patting us on the back or telling us to stay with God or we know you're doing what God wants you to do. People are criticizing us and talking about us and slandering us and, and pointing their fingers at us. We're getting more criticism than affirmation. And that's why I'm saying sometimes... You have to let people think the worst. There are few things in life harder than going through a challenging situation where life has thrown you a curveball. You have more questions than answers. You don't have any idea how this is going to affect and impact your future. And while you're hanging on for dear life, people in the background chattering, talking, saying things, have no idea what they're talking about. So what? You have to let them talk. You have to stay positive, and you have to love them even when they're talking about you. And you have to go on with God knowing that God knows what he's doing in your life. And so sometimes you just have to let people assume the worst. And so that was the challenging situation that Mary was facing. And as I began preparing this message, actually a couple of weeks ago, I thought, you know, God, it's different Certainly, the circumstances are different than what Mary had, but all of us can relate to how she must have felt as she was facing this difficulty in her life. Now, that leads me to the second major point. Remember, a challenging situation. When we're going through a challenging situation, what, what is it that we need the most? I'll tell you exactly what we need. We need a clear word from God. You believe that? Say amen. I just want to make sure we're all awake up here today. We need a clear word from God. You know, sometimes when we're going, when we're really up against it and the bottom has fallen out and you talk about a curveball, it's worse than a curveball. We've been hit by the pitch. I mean, and, and we're thinking, man, this hurts. This is difficult. Here's what we need. Here's the main thing you need. Some of you today saying, man, I just came to church because it's the right thing to do. I had no idea that you're going to be talking about what I'm feeling in my life right now, well, I'm going to tell you, friend, what you need. You need a word from God. Sometimes we think when we're going through something, you know, if God would just give me a dream or maybe tonight before I go to bed, if God would just give me a vision and explain everything that's going on and help me to know how I'm going to make it through to the next season of my life, what I need is a vision. Let me tell you something, friend. We don't need a vision. We need a verse. We need a verse out of the Bible. Sometimes people think, well, man, I'm really going through it now. And if I could just have a person to come along beside me and help me and encourage me, then I would be able to make it. Well, listen, while it is true that our family and our friends and our church friends certainly are huge blessings in our life, when we're facing something and we feel like Mary felt, we don't primarily need a person. You know what we need? We need a promise. A promise from God. Sometimes we, we cling on to people and God says, you don't need to be clinging on to them. You need to be clinging on to my word. You need a promise from me. Sometimes we're going through something like this and we say, God, I just pray that you would give me a way out of this mess. That's what people want when we're going through hard times. We want to escape the pain. Why do people get involved in drugs and alcohol? What motivates that? Well, much of what motivates, and I can understand that. I thankfully have never gotten involved in that, but I I, I'm never critical of somebody who's going through a hard time and they turn to 
a substance. I mean, I think it, they shouldn't do it. I'm not condoning it. But I'm saying I can understand what, why they would do that because what they're trying to do is escape temporarily what, what it is they're facing in their life. And sometimes we all, even if we don't turn to alcohol, we, we feel that, God, I just need a way out of this. You know what God says to us? You don't need a way out. You need a word from me. What did David say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God didn't give him a pass on his valley. He had to walk through it. So think about what I've just said. When we're going through a challenging situation, life has thrown us a curveball. More questions and answers. Our future is unclear. And maybe, hopefully this is not true, but maybe we're even experiencing more criticism than affirmation. You don't need a vision. You need a verse. You don't need a person. You need a promise. You don't need a way out. You need a word from God so that you can make it through this valley you're going through right now. That's what you need. Now, what was the word or what were the words that Mary received from God as she's facing this challenging situation? Well, I want to give you three of them. And if you're a note taker, this would be three good things to jot down because I can assure you of this. What God said to Mary through the angel Gabriel is exactly what God is saying to you and to me today. In our challenging situation, here is the word from God. Remember, we need a verse. We need a promise. We need a word from God. That's what we hold on to. That's what we anchor our faith to in times like this. And God's first word to you today is simply this. Number one, here's the word from God today. God is with you. God is with you. Now, look in verse number 28 again, because this was the first thing that Gabriel said to Mary. Verse 28, rejoice, highly favored one. Now, watch this. The Lord is with you. Say that with me. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. In the, as, the, as the old theologians would say, in the dark night of the soul, what we need more than anything else is an absolute confidence, an awareness that God is with us. Everything else may have turned against us, circumstances, people, whatever may may be going on. But if we can know that God is with us, that we are going to be okay. The fact that God is with us, talk about another sermon for another day, the presence of God. It is the presence of God that gives us not only companionship and peace, But it is the presence of God that gives us confidence to move forward by faith. If I didn't have the presence of God, I would be a fool to stand up here on Sunday morning or any other time and open the Bible and try to preach from His Word. But one thing I know is that when I do this or when I live my life, that God is with me wherever I am. And the same is true for you. And so we need that confidence. We are not alone. God is with us. The second word that God gave to Mary through Gabriel is simply this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Look back in verse 30 again. The angel said to her, do not be afraid. You know, fear is a paralyzing thing. And as I said, Mary, when she found out she was going to give birth to Jesus, yes, she would have been honored, but she would naturally have been confused and even very afraid because she's thinking, what does this mean? How, how is this going to affect my life? This is, what she was saying to herself was, this is not how I thought my life would play out. And so she was scared and she was afraid. 
Fear is a very powerful thing. I can remember when, well, let me say this before I get into this. Chris is sharing about his grandmother today and, and how much his grandmother meant to him and how earlier this morning she went to be with the Lord. It's amazing to me that he's even in the service today, but he is. But you know, our grandparents are very special to us. And all four of my grandparents are in heaven now and have been for a long time, but they were very, very special to me when I was growing up. And I had unique relationships with all four of them. In fact, when I was in college, I wrote a letter to my grandparents every week, and they wrote a letter to me every week, except my grandfather on my mother's side, he said to me when I started school, he said, now, John, I'm not a letter writer, so I'm not going to write a letter to you every week. Your grandmother can do that. He said, but if you hang in there and graduate, I'm going to write you a letter your last week at Baylor. And he worked on that letter, a sentence, you know, here, a paragraph there for several months before I graduated. When I finally graduated, he mailed me that letter. But anyway, after he went to be with the Lord, I stayed close with with my grandmother. And by this time, I was living in Fort Worth, and I was going to seminary, and I lived in an apartment by myself, and now she's living in a house by herself. And so we had that in common, in addition to everything else we had in common, is my grandmother. And so we talked on the phone all the time, and, and, or often, and we wrote letters and, and stayed in touch. And In fact, if you ever notice sometimes things from your past, you, there's certain things, it may have been 25 or 30 years ago, but it's just as fresh in your mind as it was yesterday. One of the things that I don't, I don't know why I can't get this out of my mind, but I can still remember all those letters I wrote. I can still remember my grandmother's address, 1391 Highway 92 North, Fayetteville, Georgia, 30214. Now, it's in my mind. I've not written a letter to that address in over 25 years. If I could ever forget that address, I could remember where I parked at HEB. But I've got this unnecessary information in my mind, 1391 Highway 92 North, one night I was in Fort Worth, and I called my grandmother. I said, Mom, oh, how are you tonight? Oh, John, I'm doing all right. How are you? I said, well, I'm doing fine. I said, uh, it was in the spring. And if you know anything about Dallas-Fort Worth, you know in the spring they get the tornadoes, and we get the hurricanes, they get the tornadoes up there. And so we were having not tornadoes on this particular night, but we were having straight-line winds. And the weatherman had said in the evening news, he said, I don't know that I've ever seen it like this before, in our area, but tonight we're going to have straight line winds that could be in excess of 100 miles per hour. And so I told my grandmother that, and I said, you know, Mama, I, I, this little apartment I'm living in, I'm not sure if it's going to make it 100 mile an hour winds, you know. And so we talked on, and she, and she said to me, she said, John, get your Bible. And she said, I want to give you a verse. I'm telling you, everybody in my family is a preacher, and they always preaching at me. And she said, get your Bible, and she said, open it to Psalm 56, and I did. She said, look at verse 3, and I found it. She said, I want you to underline that verse, and I did. She said, that's my favorite verse in the Bible, Psalm 56, 3. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In fact, in my Bible now, out by that verse, I've written Mamo's verse, because she taught me that. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Well, when I get to heaven... I'm going to find Mamo, and I'm going to say, you know that verse you gave me on the phone, and your favorite verse, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. I'm going to say, Mamo, that's a great verse, and I've never forgot it all my time down there on earth. But you know, as the years went by, I think I found a better verse on fear. A better verse 
You can't start categorizing verses, John, better or worse. No, that one you gave is good, but I think I found a better verse. Which verse did you find? Isaiah 12, 2. Now listen to this. Psalm 56, 3, David said, Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Isaiah 12, 2. The Bible says this. I will trust and not be afraid. Now think about this. Psalm 56, 3 tells us what to do when we get afraid. Trust God. Isaiah 12, 2 tells us how not to be afraid. Trust God. Isaiah 12, 2, faith prevents us from being afraid. In Psalm 56, 3, because sometimes we're going to get afraid anyway. But the point is, when we're going through a challenging situation, are we afraid? Yes. What do we do? We trust God and say, Lord, I'm going to depend on you, and I'm going to put my faith in you. And then the third word that Mary received. Now, remember what Mary got on these In this situation, she received a word from God. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. And notice the third thing God said to her. God said, Mary, your story has a happy ending. Your story has a happy ending. And in these verses we just read, Gabriel said to her, you are going to give birth to the Savior of the world, of his kingdom. There will be no end. Your story has a very happy ending. Now, After, fast forward nine months, Jesus was born. I left a video last night on Facebook. Maybe you saw it. I believe Jesus was born at night. Maybe not. Can't be dogmatic. But whatever time of day Jesus was born, after he was born, after those shepherds heard what they heard from the angel, after they came and told Mary and Joseph what they had heard, and then they went back and started telling everybody about how Jesus had been born, Luke 2.19 Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. She's thinking about She's reflecting. She's thinking. And in her mind, undoubtedly, she's thinking, you know, nine months ago, life had thrown me a curveball. And I had more questions than answers. And my future was very unclear. And not only that, Joseph and I were getting a lot of criticism, some verbalized, some I just knew was in people's head. But you know what? Nine months ago, while I was feeling all that, God made some promises to me. God said to me, as, as, as my life had taken a turn I never anticipated it taking, God said to me, Mary, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Everything's going to be all right. And not only that, Mary, remember this. Your story has a happy ending, not only for you, but for the whole world. Now, she's nine months later. Jesus is born. I hear the angels. It's obvious now to her and everybody else that this was of God. What is Mary doing? She's pondering all this. She's reflecting on everything that has happened. And Mary is thinking, everything God said has come to pass. It is all true. Now, one thing about Mary that we need to remember. From the time that she entered into this challenging situation... Until the time she's over here, now it's all happened, and she's looking back on it, and she's saying, you know what? God really has been with me. This really was God's plan. I didn't have anything to be afraid of, and my life has had a very happy ending. It all worked out great. From the beginning to the end, there was some time that went by. There, was nine, there were nine months that went by, which says to me, when we're facing a challenging situation, While God can do anything, and sometimes he does work immediately, 
But more often than not, God will use time to bring us to the place where Mary was, where she can look back and say, you know what? Everything that God told me has come true. Now, as I think about Mary, the challenging situation, the clear word from God that she received, but also the complete confidence that she had at the end of the story. In fact, go back, look in verse 37, because now Gabriel is still speaking, and and Gabriel says to Mary, for with God, nothing will be impossible. For some of you today, that verse needs to be your verse. That is God's word to you. With God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And so, as I think about Mary, and as I think about all that she went through and how she responded to this situation so beautifully, I want to kind of wrap this up with this. If I think everything that Mary did, and every, all the faith that she expressed and the obedience she accepted God's plan, I think we could sum this whole story up like this. Mary believed God's word. She accepted God's plan. And she moved forward by faith. And as a result of that, as the time went by, it didn't happen immediately. In her case, it took nine months. She believed God's word. She accepted God's plan. She moved forward by faith. And what happened? She was blessed, Joseph was blessed, the shepherds were blessed, everybody in Bethlehem at that time was blessed, a little bit later in the story, the wise men were blessed, time goes by, the whole world's been blessed, and here we are 2,000 years later, and we've all been blessed because of how Mary responded to her challenging situation. How did she respond? She believed God's word. See, before she believed it, she had to receive it. God is with you. Don't be afraid. Your story has a happy ending. It may not have a happy ending today. It may not get resolved today. But if you'll give God time, your story has a happy ending. And if you will respond properly to the challenging situation that you face, you're going to be blessed. And so is everybody else in your world. So what do we say about Mary? She believed God's word. She accepted God's plan. You know, I've said this so many times. As children of God... Nothing comes into our lives that was not first sifted through God's loving fingers. It doesn't. And so when something touches our lives, we're wise to accept it as part of God's plan for us. Even if whatever it was in and of itself was bad, if God allowed it, he wants to use it for good. And so Mary believed God's word. She accepted God's plan. Here's what she said. She said, let it be to me according to your word. In other words, what she was saying was, I accept this. Acceptance is so very important. I accept this as part of God's plan for my life. And she moved forward by faith. Now, you still listen? Say amen. You say, John, we're barely still listening. It's about time for you to stop this sermon. And I'm about to stop. I want to ask you this question today. As far as God's word, we're talking about a verse, a promise in God's word. Do you believe today that as you face whatever it is that you're facing, do you believe today that God is with you? If you do, say amen. Amen. Do you believe that since he is with you, everything's going to be all right and you've got nothing to be afraid of? Do you believe that? And do you believe 
that because God is with you and is absolutely in control of life, do you believe that your story, I'm not talking about just in heaven, I'm talking about on earth. The psalmist said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, right here and right now. Do you believe that your story here on earth has a happy ending? You believe that? All right, now, then, if we could put that back up one more time, Mary believed God's word, so I'm going to say we all believe God's word. How about the next part? Mary accepted God's plan. Are you willing? Now, I'm not just asking you what you believe. I'm asking you in your life, are you willing to accept whatever God has allowed into your life as part of his plan for your life, even if it was bad, that he might use it for good. See, this is, you know, we come here, yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe, and leave unchanged. But if we engage the will and say, I not only believe that, I accept as an act of my will, whatever it is I'm going through, have been through, I accept that is part of God's plan for my life, something that he intends to use for good. So I'm asking you today, are you willing to accept your challenging situation, no matter how confusing or difficult, as part of God's plan for your life that he wants to use for your good and for his glory? You see, that whole acceptance thing Makes all the difference in the world. Now, if you can say to that, John, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. This is the ultimate curveball. But God is in control. I do accept it. All right? Now, if you can accept it, you're on the way. And then this last part, Mary moved forward by faith. And I'm asking you today, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to say, God, I don't understand it. I don't like it. It doesn't make sense to me. It's not what I had planned for my life. But I do trust you. I do accept this. Let it be to me according to your word. If you're going to, Romans 8, 28, you're going to use it for good. I accept that. And God, as best I can, I am willing to move forward by faith. Knowing that out here somewhere in my future, you're going to make sure that my story, even here on earth, has a happy ending. For my good, for your glory, and so that others in my world can be blessed. Amen? And so, Father, our circumstances are certainly different than Mary's. But in some ways, we can relate to how she felt. God, I pray today that you would help us to respond as she responded. Believing your word. Accepting your plan. And moving forward by faith, one step at a time. With your head bowed and eyes closed, would you say this to God, Christian friend? Would you say, God, help me to do that? God, help me to do that. Everything John said is right. It's right out of the Bible. I mean, he's not said anything that's not true. But God, it's easier for him to preach that than it is for me to live that. And I need you to help me. Now, I want, to, I want to press this one step further today because I want to help you engage your will. The battle is won or lost in the will, our mind, our emotions, our thinking, our will. 
Would you say this to God? Even if you have weak faith or trembling faith today, would you say, God, I do trust you. I believe that you're with me. That as I look to the future, I have nothing to be afraid of because you're going to take care of me. And God, I don't understand and I can't see it. But God, by faith, I believe today and declare today that my story, I believe, has a happy ending. Now tell God that. Now let's take it one step further. Would you be able to say, God, I don't understand it. Doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't even seem true to your character. But I do believe that you're in control of my life. And anything that I experience has been sifted through your loving hands. And so, God, I accept this situation as part of your mysterious plan for my life. I accept it. And I say today with Mary, let it be to me according to your word. And, God, your word in this situation is that all things work together for good. (laughs) I accept it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. But I accept it. And then would you ask God this? Say, God, help me each day to move forward by faith, hand in hand with you, knowing that if I give it enough time, you're going to bring indescribable good in my heart, in my life, in my faith, and in my character. You're going to bring good out of something that has been painful and hard and even bad in my life. That takes faith. Now, some here today, you say, John, I, all this about God and life and circumstances, and man, I, I don't even know if I know God. I don't even know if I'm saved. Well, today, God brought you to this service so you could get saved. That baby born in Bethlehem was born to save your soul and to forgive your sins and to give you a new beginning. And if you don't have the full assurance of that salvation, pray this right now. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. I trust you, Jesus. Welcome to my heart. Begin now to make me the person you want me to be. In your name I pray.